Hello, welcome to another episode of Overpriced JPEGs. I'm Carly Riley. And today on the show, we have Zeneca33, the NFT influencer, best known, I should say, as Zeneca33 online. Zeneca is fantastic. He was one of the first people that I reached out to for an interview. I've followed him for a while. He's just a wealth of information and wisdom when it comes to NFTs and this space in general. I think he's a really good person for beginners in particular to turn to. But I also think if you've been in this space for a while, he's just a great person for those reminders that we all need to hear sometimes. Uh, those like truisms that we can forget when we get too deep down the NFT rabbit hole. So he's delivering a bunch of those in today's episodes. He's going to talk about what he looks for in an NFT project. He's also going to tell us what he doesn't care about when it comes to an NFT project. And some of those might surprise you because he doesn't care about things that I think sometimes we're told we're supposed to care about. And, uh, we're also going to break down some specific projects like art blocks. If you've been wanting to understand art blocks better, Zeneca breaks it down for us. He also recently launched his own NFT project. So uh, at the time that he and I recorded this, the project hadn't launched yet. Subsequently now it has launched. So you can go check that out. I will put a link to it here. Anyways, enjoy the show. Enjoy Zeneca. I so enjoyed this conversation. But before we get right into it, here's a word from our sponsors. Everyone is talking about the metaverse these days, and we're all still trying to figure out what it actually is because everyone is looking for how to get exposure to it. That is why a metaverse index fund is so important because in such a young market, an index can give you broad exposure to all the various players who are building out all these digital worlds that will ultimately become the metaverse. And that's why you should check out the metaverse index from the index co-op. The metaverse index gives you simple, easy, and safe one-click exposure to the emerging open metaverse trend. The MVI index contains some of the biggest metaverse projects out there, including Axie Infinity, Decentraland, Alluvium, and more. So join thousands of holders who have already trusted nearly $50 million to the MVI index. And if you buy $500 of MVI on the Dharma app, you can receive $50 worth of ETH on the Polygon network. There's a link in the show notes for you to click so you can get started on your journey into the metaverse. Zerion is the perfect place to view the entirety of your crypto portfolio all in one spot. Not only does Zerion aggregate all the tokens across all of your wallets, but it also displays the NFTs that you've been tirelessly collecting. Zerion even reports the value of your NFTs in your overall portfolio, giving you the most comprehensive report on the entirety of your crypto portfolio. Zerion isn't just a place to get an understanding of your portfolio, but it also hooks into DeFi activities like trading, borrowing, and lending, all in one convenient place. So you don't have to memorize all the various DeFi websites to do all of your DeFi activities. To get started, go to zerion.io slash bankless and load up your wallet or wallets into the Zerion interface and supercharge your DeFi experience and enrich your NFT lifestyle. That's Z-E-R-I-O-N slash bankless. Hello, welcome Roy, who people probably know much better as Zeneca33. I am so incredibly excited to have you on the show. I'm really excited to have you early on on this show because I think what you do so well on social media, on your Substack, in your podcast is really just share kind of broad wisdom about the NFT space and how people should think about it. You're really honest about what it can be like being deep in the NFT space. So I think you're a great way to, to kick off this show in general. And for anybody who's coming at it a little bit new or is a few months old in this space, I just think you're a, you're a vessel of wisdom. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, um, to be part of this for sure. Love it. So I want to start off 
easy here with your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into NFTs? Sure. So before NFTs, I'll start there. I was a professional poker player for 15 odd years. So I, I basically went from high school and into poker. Uh, I So obviously that's an unconventional <laughs> career and it has its whole stories and ups and downs, but uh, it sort of made the transition from my life as a professional poker player into crypto and NFTs a little more seamless than, than most because I didn't have like a traditional job I had to quit. I just started becoming more interested in the space and it was like- You just started gambling with attention. with JPEGs instead yes, of cards. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I sort of got into crypto a bit in 2016, 2017, at, like a lot of people. And then when that big bear market hit, it just, you know, you lose interest, number isn't going up anymore. And I didn't really have that conviction and, and attachment to the tech and like the underlying- you know, revolutionary stuff going on. So I went back to poker and then start of this year, 2021, again, prices were going up again and people started getting more interested in crypto. And so, yeah, so did I, and I had a couple of friends who were, they'd sort of been in the space, you know, for the last five, five years. And they were telling me about, you know, hash masks and NFTs and, you know, thousands of dollars for these JPEGs, crypto punks. And obviously I'm sitting here thinking, you know, they're scam, they're getting scammed. They're in some Ponzi scheme. This is all ludicrous. What are they doing? Uh, and, you know, I sort of dismissed it as I think a lot of people do immediately when you hear about, you know, millions of dollars for a crypto punk or, you know, even thousands of dollars for anything. Yeah. A $67 million people or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that it, was the sticker really shock. Ludicrous. I think that hit a lot of people that broke into the mainstream. It was like, yeah, yeah, what? that was a big one. <laughs> yeah. But, but eventually like they kept talking about it and I was like, hang on, these are really smart people. I know that they, they've had very, they've had a lot of success in life. I shouldn't just <laughs> dismiss it. And you know, at first I was genuinely concerned that they were getting scammed. Like it was like, are they actually, you know, cause you have friends or people that get into like, uh, cults or like Muslim marketing schemes and all sorts of stuff and smart people can get um into that but yeah i was like hang on these are really smart you know critical thinkers and let me just do some research and that sort of was the turning point where i think i read an article by packy mccormack on his Substack, not boring called power to the person and it was all about like the creator economy and what nfts can mm. unlock for artists for um coders for game designers for everyone really and, and that really was the, the turning point for me. And ever since then, it's sort of been, yeah, just last eight months, all NFTs. Uh, I went from, you know, being an outside looker and then getting into the trading aspect, buying and selling, flipping. And then I started creating content with my newsletter and my podcast and just all of it. And um, yeah, now I know I have my own NFT coming out in a, in a couple of weeks and I'm sort of transitioning more towards the building side than the, the flipping per se. But yeah, I mean, I just, I love NFTs and I'm really invested in the space, not just financially, but like in terms of the conviction I have in, in the longevity of it and, and the revolution it's going to, it is creating in the world and it's going to keep creating for, for many, many people. And yeah, I, I'm all about NFTs, I guess. So was the creator economy piece, that's where the click moment happened for you with NFTs was once you realized how creators could own their work in new ways. Is that is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. So it was a, that was a huge part of it, and it was also just the the idea of a true digital ownership and how I mean that sort of the creator economy is born from the fact that we can now own assets in the digital space in a way that we never could before. Um, and it sort of maybe understand, hey, okay, so maybe these cryptopunks that have been around for years were the first real like generative big project. Um, I can understand now why they may be valuable because, you know, in 10, 20, 50 years from now, if millions of people or billions of people rather are like 
investing in digital assets, these very first ones that this all sort of like stemmed from or grew from, um, they, they could really be worth a ton in a way that many may not be able to see right now. One thing you've written about that I think is interesting is you, you've shared, for lack of a better term, a certain distaste for roadmaps, I would say, which is really common in NFT projects. Pretty much every project that drops has a roadmap, usually says something like at 20%, 5% of the project, we'll do a giveaway and at 50%, we'll do a charity giveaway, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, talk to me about why you're, you're sometimes skeptical about roadmaps or how would you phrase that? Yeah. So I, I definitely don't like most roadmaps. I think most projects, like we have dozens of NFT projects launching a day, maybe hundreds a week now, which is already ludicrous. But the thing is that most of them, they're just sort of jumping on the bandwagon and trying to copy the success of previous projects. And they're effectively copying their roadmaps and, and not really innovating. And I think that's one issue I have. Like if a project says their roadmap is just sort of what you're saying, 20% of a giveaway, 50%, you know, community wallet will be funded 75%. Um, we'll donate to charity. That's great. I love that aspect, but it's just like, it's nothing new. It's nothing revolutionary. And um, yeah, I just, it doesn't excite me if I see a roadmap like that, but to take a step back sort of from a, a bigger picture perspective, even if the roadmap is exciting and innovative and, and um, appealing, it's sort of, my issue is that the NFT space moves at hyper speed, crypto space moves at hyper speed, but things are changing and evolving so much that I would rather have the creators of a project, the developers, the whoever are behind it, a bit more leeway to shape and adjust to what is happening in the market, what new tech is being created, whatever new thing is, is being discovered and shape the roadmap sort of as make it up as they go along. And the fact that, a lot of people in the community want a roadmap and want to know what the project is going to do. And then it's sort of written there, like people buy into the project saying, Hey, this is the roadmap. The creators are then obligated rightfully. So I think to deliver on these things. And it may be that some of them take several months to, to do. And by the time it's, it's ready to be launched, no one really cares about that anymore. It's like, that was the hot thing three months ago. And it's like, I think we saw that with companions, like um, the board apes had their, their kennel club, companions and, and the punks had me bits and that was like a really cool thing to do and now every project has copied that and it's just it's not really that exciting or amazing or innovative anymore but because they had it in their roadmap they feel obligated to do it they spend so much time and energy fulfilling these things that they said they're going to do because everyone seemed to want them um but they weren't really innovating they weren't really pushing the the envelope the, the boundaries and that yeah i would rather just have like a description of what, what they want to do, like their vision, like, mm. you know, how they're going to approach. Yeah, exactly. High level. And I think, yeah, roadmaps can work, especially if they're, you know, they are innovative and there is a good team behind it, but 99% of them, I think, uh, I, I'm not a fan of. So you've written about how you pick projects and I thought it was a really awesome piece on Substack. We'll link to it. What do you look for when you're evaluating a project or when you're getting into a project? So the number one thing I always look for is the people. I look at the people behind the project. So that, that's the team, the developers, the artists, the managers, anyone involved in the creation of the project. I want to know who they are. I want to know what they've worked on before. I want to know what they're like. Are they good people? Are they smart? Are they thoughtful? Um, you know, do they have the ability to take the amount of money that they're raising, which is usually quite significant and use it for good, for the good of the community, for the good of not just their specific community, but the wider NFT community. 
and just be smart and, and do make good decisions. And so that's the most important thing. Like first and foremost, it's, it's always about the community. I, I don't really look at the art that much. First off, I obviously don't really look or care about the roadmap, um, any of that stuff. And then the second thing is again, the people, but I want to look at the community rather than the team behind the project. So, you know, uh, so many of these NFT projects, their success is um, like lives and dies based on the, the people that are invested and buying into these NFTs. And so I want to like join their discord and see who else is interested in this project? Why are they interested in this? What are they talking about? And you can sort of tell um, projects that are sort of built on a house of sand uh, are when the community and even the team sometimes they're all focused on the price. They just want number to go up. They want people to sweep the floor and delist. And it's just sort of this, it's, it's not really creating any value of substance. It's, it's just, there's nothing there. And those are the sort of like Ponzi NFT projects that are going to come crashing style. down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where it's just about the existing users going, getting new users, yes, new buyers, exactly, you get exactly. new buyers and you're like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah it, no that's where like, these are the projects that when the real bear market hits, they're just going to go crashing down. And, you know, it's a concern and I'm, I, I worry for people that get into the space that are new and, and maybe just get excited and caught up in all of that and, you know, invest good money into these projects, not necessarily um, having the long-term conviction in it or not having a team behind it that's there for the long term. So yeah, I mean, that's sort of a red flag. I don't want to invest in those projects, but if you join the discord and you chat to people who are in interested and they're like, Hey, I really like what this team is doing. The team's there answering questions. They're building something for the future. They have really cool ideas that they want to execute on. And, you know, they're listening to community feedback and people are really excited for where the project is going to be in two months, three months, a year. And they're not really, you know, like bothered by the price too much then that's just a really good sign so it really just comes down to the people um and then after that like yes the art is important it, like i prefer if i if i like it if, but you know art is so subjective that if i don't like it other people might and if i love it maybe no one else it's like that is something that isn't a huge factor um i guess specifically in these pro these like ten thousand generative projects we're talking about if i'm buying like one of one art or art blocks then obviously the art is is a much more determining factor but um yeah they're, they're two separate kind of collections are there any projects you want to shout out that you think like hey that's a that's a great example of you go into their discord you go into their community their team is super strong they don't care about floor price what are you sure. on these days that you think are doing that well the one that just immediately comes to mind because they made an announcement like an hour ago is um blitmap and so the, their founder is, uh, his name is Dom. He was a co-founder of the Vine app. If you remember that, the like, oh, 15 yeah. second videos <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, he has been in the crypto space for a long time. He's like a true builder, innovator. He, he really does create awesome products. And um, yeah, I mean, so, so that's just one project where no one really cares about the price in there, even though it's gone gangbusters. Um it's, it's difficult to shout it out because I think the, the floor price is really high right now to get in, but it wasn't for a long time. Um, I'll shout out Top Dog Beach Club because that's a project that's been around for a few months. Um, their, their price hasn't really done anything crazy. I mean, I think at time of recording, it's probably like 0.15 ETH um, and they minted at 0.08. I mean, so obviously, you know, almost doubling in a few months. That's by many metrics a smashing success, but in the NFT space, when people are used to like 10x, 100x, and they look at that and be like, oh, it's kind of struggling. This space has ruined investing for really anybody has. who's a part of it for all time. I was like looking at something outside of sort of outside of crypto that was like a 20% return, like nearly guaranteed, you know, and I was like, 
that is such a great return yeah, <laughs> by really any is. normal standard, like hedge funds that have like a 20% return or like on top of the world. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh God, like, you know, like yeah, my $2,000 really investment is a hundred K right now. Why would yeah. I ever waste my time? Exactly. 20%. It's, it's so. It's warped everything. I would love to get your thoughts on the market broadly. You talked about PFP projects versus art projects and how you approach that differently from an investment perspective. Do you have like mental models in your head? This is something I've been trying to build up of like different categories of projects and therefore you kind of think about them differently or price them differently or, hey, there's PFP and then there's art and then there's utility. Like what are those categories to you if, if you have them? Yeah, I've never really consciously sat down and thought about them, but there's definitely a, a different approach to the profile picture projects, to the art, especially the one of one art, uh, gaming projects would be another big category and then sort of like the utility or membership aspect and i would say by and large like the gaming the utility projects are sort of much more designed to provide value over a longer term a lot of the gaming projects they're like obviously takes time and money and work to create a successful game and a lot of play testing and back and forth so if they're they're launching now but the game may not be released till next year Obviously, you need to have a long-term vision, but I, I do think gaming NFTs are going to pop off and be huge. And so the, the approach for investing into gaming NFTs is, uh, again, for a much longer-term vision, whereas with these profile picture projects, a lot of them are running on hype and, and FOMO and short-term basis. And it's, it's much riskier to invest in them because, A, there's just an oversaturation of them in the market. There's just tons of them popping up every single day. And there's just not enough, like despite the space growing at, uh, warp speeds there's still just not enough people enough money coming in to to support most of them being successful so most of them will fail and yeah i guess with the profile picture projects just understanding that it's it's higher risk yes you can because of that you can probably find 10x 100x gains occasionally but um, many projects are just going to crash 99 percent. yeah so i would approach them with a higher risk and, and the other things with, with a bit more lower risk would you describe yourself as more of a long-term investor or more of a flipper or a, a combination of the two? Definitely a combination. So maybe like six, eight months ago, when I was first getting in, it was more of the flipping side just because I, I didn't have much of a bankroll. If I put one or point one ETH really into a project and then it went up to point two or point three, um, it just it made sense to take that out and then try and find other projects to invest it in. And uh, it got like over time, I became more of a long-term holder just as I was being successful at flipping, I was able to say mint two or three in a project and maybe sell two of them and hold one for the longer term if I believed in it. And then as time has gone on, um, I, I was like minting more, flipping more, and then trying to find projects that I thought were really good for the long-term and putting and holding onto them more. And now I'm at a point where I basically do very little flipping, active flipping, like very rarely am I um, buying things with the intention of selling it soon, um, if at yeah, anytime soon, but um, occasionally I'll be buying things and then selling them a few weeks later. If they go up like 10X, I'm like, all right, I should take some profits just because you should always take profits. But um, yeah, now I'm focused more on the really long-term and building my own projects and advising other projects. And it it's really sort of, it's almost like a weight off my shoulders. I don't feel like I need to be flipping anymore. Like, even though there's good money in flipping, I think, um, and, and it is fun and it was exciting. It's just, 
it's also stressful. It's also a lot of time involved and you like, you feel like you're missing something if you're not at your computer 24 seven. And yeah, I'm, I'm sort of happy to be, to have moved on from that. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I, so I, I love you've called out Warren Buffett in a couple or maybe just the one, but uh, newsletters in the past. And I got my start, my first job out of college was at a hedge fund that was very much uh, built around Warren Buffett's investment philosophy, mm -hmm. which is a very long-term orientation yeah. kind of a project. So the flipping thing is very anathema to me and, and kind of hard to get into. Um, and I think the, the thing that makes me fearful about it for people is moments like this where you're having a bear market. And I have, I have a friend who's sort of started to get into NFTs and I think she's been a little bit more in a flipping mentality. And this, mar this bear market is like, has her kind of freaked. Like I was getting yeah. texts this morning, like, you know, like, why is it going down <laughs> kind of, yeah. you know? So I, I wanted to shout out this, this quote of Buffett's that you mentioned in one of your, your, um, your pieces, which is be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Um, why, why did you shout that out? And, and can you speak about that a little bit? And, and maybe who knows when this airs, if it might be a bull run again, but yeah. <laughs> with, what, what people should take away from that here in this bear market? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just the, the general uh, thesis of that, I think, is that if you're investing with the mindset of invest, like evaluating projects for the long term, and, and if a project has a good team, they're building something and they have like, quote unquote, the fundamentals, whatever the fundamentals are in the NFT space, we're still figuring that out. But I think a good team is a big part of that. Um, then obviously a lot of the space runs on sort of hype, FOMO, um, people seeing numbers go up and just wanting in on, on, on the action. But the sort of the secondary market prices doesn't really significantly impact the ability of the team and the project to execute on its vision and what it wants to do. Yes, they get the more floor price goes up and the more volume there is, they get a little more in, in secondary market royalties and stuff to keep them going. But by and large, the they're running off the, the funds they raise from the initial sale and they have a vision and they're trying to execute on it. So if the project is, is going along nicely and then, you know, there's a bull market and a lot of people and new money get into space. They find these projects, they're really hyped about them. Price goes up because people are really excited. Um, I mean, nothing has really fundamentally changed in the project itself. Like the team is still doing what it's going to do. And it's sort of speculated saying, hey, I want to be in this project because I like what it's doing. And then people are just competing with one another to pay more effectively. Say, I'll pay one ETH to get into this project. No, I'll pay 1.5 ETH to get into this project. And then again, the fundamentals haven't changed, but people are just willing to pay more. And I think in those cases, it's just smart to take some profits, take some money because inevitably there will be a market turn. There will be a sentiment shift. Um, whatever reason it may be, if, if ETH prices pump, like we've seen in the last few weeks, if gas is really high, people get a little spooked for whatever reason, market sentiment will change and then people will be less excited to be in the project. And that's when, you know, floor prices will, will start to drop. People will say, hey, I don't want, I'm not as excited anymore. I will sell this NFT and I want the ETH because I think ETH is going to go to 10K or whatever it may be. And then, and that's when you see sort of the market tanking, people are undercutting the floor, prices crash. And then if they go really far down, that's sort of when people are fearful. And I think is a really good buy opportunity because again, nothing has changed in the project. It's still essentially the same. Um, and so you can get what I think are really good buys when the market is fearful, when everyone's panicking, when everyone's selling, largely because the people that are selling either bought in just for the speculative aspect um, and or because they didn't have sort of a long-term conviction in the project. So, I mean, there, there are projects that I've bought in and they've gone up 
you know, hundreds of percent and then down 80% from their peak. And I'm just sort of not bothered because I'm, I can see that the, the team and the creators are building things that they're working on their project and they have like a multi-year vision. And I think that the, as the NFT space explodes, which I think it will over the next few years, um, the value will just naturally grow up, uh, go up and they'll find ways to, you know, build value and people will find the project and be willing to pay more to get involved. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm like not fast when prices go down a lot in these projects that I have conviction in, but if someone is newer to the space, they didn't do their research, they don't have conviction in the project. When prices do go down, then they panic, then they want to sell, then they worry that it's going to zero. Then they worry that, you know, no one will ever pay more for it. Um, and that's when people are fearful. And that's, I guess, when, when good buys can be made. Yeah. It was raised professionally with that sort of long-term orientation. You don't worry about the whims of the market on a particular day. But these texts from my friends this morning or this text from my friend this morning kind of reminded me that not everybody else has that perspective. And I think it's Mm -hmm. a really awesome thing to just keep reminding people, like, don't let your sense of of self or or well-being, you know, be dictated by where the NFT market is on any given day. It's down today. It'll be back up Mm -hmm. tomorrow. If you believe in your projects, don't dump because you're panicking. Um, yeah, you know, hold on. there is, um, I mean, there is sort of money to be made and like an approach to take, which is much more short term minded. And mm. you sort of like you can trade with the emotions of the market and swing trade. So uh, as it may be, but if you are doing that, I think it's important to understand that you are doing that and, and that you're playing an insanely risky game. Like crypto is risky, investing is risky, and NFTs are even more risky. And yeah, so most people don't have the stomach for it. Most people don't have the the knowledge or the um, you know, what whatever the wisdom to to be able to profitably know what's happening with the market and, and make these quick flips or swing swing trades. So for most people, I, I recommend not trying that approach and not hoping to quick quickly flip things. And yeah, again, go back to the more long term minded, I guess, value investing investing approach. Do you have recommendations for people on where to start? if they are even interested in flipping, like, you know, where to source new projects, what are the good spots to, what are the good people to follow on, on Twitter other than yourself? <laughs> do you have, uh, do you ever recommend that to, to folks? I, I get this asked a lot and I, I still don't have a good answer. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was hesitant to ask it. Cause I'm like, I don't think anyone does. Yeah. That's, that's the issue because, well, so much of it is sort of self-learning. You just need to put in the time, start following people on Twitter see who you think makes sense and, and who you jive with and um yeah jump into discords network talk to other people in the space like everyone is by and large very friendly and welcome uh, welcoming and willing to share information and help one another out and sort of like yeah lift each other up but it, it takes time to just just wrap your head around the whole space and see what's going on. And I think the number one piece of advice I give to anyone is just to be patient because it's so, it's so enticing and just people want to just jump in and like want to buy an NFT. And if they buy one, they, it's fun and exciting. They want to buy another one and they see people around them making, you know, massive gains, but what they don't see because a lot of people don't publicize it is that they're big losses and they're the, the mistakes um, which are around a lot as well. Um, yeah, so I recommend to be patient and just take time. Put, it just takes time to just research yourself. And um, it gets called a rabbit hole yes. <laughs> for a reason, right? Like it's a rabbit. You just keep going really down, and down, yeah. and down and down and down and down. And, you know, hopefully eventually you, you hit that point where you, you start to get a feel for it. But it takes yeah. a while. I mean, I'm many months into this and I don't 
I don't feel like I'm there. <laughs> yeah, the learning curve is steep and that's uh, something that we need to improve upon. And I think we are getting better at it. And um, yeah, over time we'll have better resources and like a go-to place for people to go to to, to find and learn and ed educate themselves. Um, yeah, I, I know about some projects in the pipeline that are working on these things, which is exciting. So, Ooh, anything you can share? Sure. Any, I any mean, secret alpha? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they're launching next the next week, so I don't know when this is going to come out, but uh, a project I'm advising on is called uh, Curious Addies Trading Club. And it's they're, they're effectively, their goal is to build sort of like the Duolingo for crypto mm. and NFTs. So an app that, you know, beginners can learn, understand what gas is, what Ethereum is, how to transact, what an NFT is, everything basically in an easy to you know, like just a gamified way because that's fun and stuff. Um, and it's backed like the the two co-founders are a husband and wife team who have had tremendous success working on other startups. Um, the the husband Ben is a, a Thiel Thiel fellow from um mm. so he dropped out of Harvard, he got that yeah, did the grant going Peter on Thiel, and, yeah, 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 grant yeah, thing. And um, yes, yeah, so, so they've had a lot of success, they know what they're doing, they've built apps and they're they want to basically create this basically go-to place for new people to crypto and nfts and you know it'll take them a while to, to develop the app and, and be out on the market but it's yeah that that's exciting for me because i would love to say like we all have friends saying hey you're into nfts how do you get in yeah. and you're like where do i start oh, okay maybe um go to youtube watch the watch these couple of videos <laughs> here's an article yeah. that i found and then ask me questions and it's like yeah. it's not scalable but it's just to say hey go to this website look at this app download this app great. So th that's really exciting to me. Yeah. There's the like the macro and then the micro. It's like, well, let me first yeah. explain to you or try and convince you that this is a legitimate thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then step two is trying to start directing you places. And it's, it's, so it's really a challenge. Yeah. So speaking of learning, uh, something you've written a lot about that I'm, I'm eager to learn more about, and, and I imagine a lot of other people are as well, is art blocks. I'm familiar with art blocks. I, mm -hmm. I know it's basic breakdown, but I think there are a lot of people who are newer to the space who maybe aren't. Um, and you've written about it, I think, really eloquently. So first, can you give the the brief overview, if somebody doesn't know, of like what Art Blocks is and, and sort of how it's broken down between Playground and Curated and, and Factory and et cetera? Sure. So Art Blocks is a, a platform where generative artists can release their work. And so generative art is basically art that is created by code. So the artist will... They won't just, you know, use they won't use Photoshop. They won't use pen and paper. They'll they'll write some code, and the code itself will generate the art. So they can, you know, code in a color. They can code in circles, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they they're able to make extremely sophisticated things and pieces of work that look visually appealing and aesthetic and just nice pieces of art. But rather than them creating themselves, they're generated by the code. This is generative art has been a thing for 50 years, you know, even before computers, people were finding ways to generate art without, you know, physically creating each piece. But um, obviously as technology has improved and gotten better and code, coding has gotten better, people have created more sophisticated versions of generative art, but there had never really been a good way to sell it, to capture it and create value out of it because essentially the, the artists could just run what they would do before art blocks and before NFTs would they, they'd run their algorithm a thousand times or 10,000 times, look through all the outputs and pick out like 10 that they liked mm -hmm. the best. And then they would just sell them as, as prints or like digital images. But there, there was no, again, no true digital ownership over it. With 
NFTs and blockchain technology, what can happen is that, and what does happen with art blocks, is that the artists will upload their code to the, the blockchain. So it'll be permanently and forever stored on chain. And the user will go to the Artblocks web website. And when they want to buy a piece, they, they click the mint button and it uses the sort of the, the hash code. So like each, the, the, the seed phrase, or not seed phrase, but like the seed from the transaction. So each person who, you know, they, they have a unique Ethereum wallet at a certain time, it, it inputs it and the, the code runs and the output is, you know, a generative piece of art based on this code, but the output is unique. So no one else will have the same output and the artist themselves don't know what the outputs are going to be until people click that mint button until it is generated in real time and in real time it is saved to the blockchain it is this piece of art this nft that's created um, it is all stored effectively all on chain so it's not like a lot of other projects um, you buy an nft and it's sort of the actual image file isn't stored on the ethereum blockchain just because it's prohibitively expensive to store that much data but with Artblocks, the code is on chain and effectively everything to recreate it is on chain. So Artblocks can disappear. The website can go down. They could pack up and leave tomorrow. Um, and as long as the Ethereum blockchain is around, um, more or less, people will be able to recreate their art. I mean, okay, there's usually a couple of other dependencies like um, a JavaScript package called P5JS, I think, which is a generative art package. But for all intents and purposes, that package itself is as decentralized as the ethereum network like it's it's the code is like locked in a cold storage locker under a mountain in, in norway or something like that and it's like in you know thousands of people's computers and it's like yeah it, it you will be able to recreate your art whenever you want so it's like true ownership in the truest sense and yeah so artblox is this platform where artists launch their their projects on their users and collectors can go and buy them and create and find out what they get. Like, again, no one really knows exactly what they're going to get by clicking the mint button. So it's, it's a bit of a fun experience and yeah, they, they've launched a couple hundred projects now and they, they sort of split their, their platform up into three different areas. So there's a curated collection, the playground and the factory curated is basically what it sounds like. So the art blocks team themselves will, um, go through all their applications and curate and select the ones they think are the, the best or the most interesting or unique or wh whatever it may be and release them under this flagship collection. And, the, you know, they restricted to one, one a week at most. Usually, like lately, it's been a few weeks since we had the last one to sort of like restrict the, the supply and keep quality high. And, and, you know, they go through a curation board. And so it's very prestigious to release under that. And then any artist that has released a curated piece can sort of release a project in the playground, which as it sounds like is, is just a place for them to try new things, experiment, play and create new art. And, you know, they can launch one project a month there effectively. And then the factory is just sort of everything else. So if, if you're a generative artist, you can apply and maybe you don't want to go through the curation process, which can take I don't know, months, maybe even years now to actually have your work on art blocks in the curated section, or maybe you're just newer to the space or you don't have the, you know, your work isn't as uh, unique or advanced or whatever to, to necessarily pass curation, but it's still generative art. It's still cool, interesting, and it passes like a lower bar of curation. And that's where the factory comes in and they release multiple projects a week there. And it's a lot more affordable as well. Like for curated, the prices now are, you know, several ETH each usually, 
um, maybe less now because of the bear market, but one to two ETH at least. Whereas in the factory, you can get it like 0.1 ETH, for example. So, so now's the time to buy art blocks. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. <laughs> Again, moral <laughs> of the story. <laughs> so you're, you're very bullish on it and you've written about mm-hmm. art blocks specifically a couple of times. Why are you so bullish on art blocks? Generative art can be created anywhere. W- what it is about an art blocks stamped piece that that you find so exciting? Yeah, so I'm I would say I'm very bullish on generative art as a whole. So that mm. there's going to be very successful generative art that has been not on art blocks as well, created elsewhere, um, other platforms, other individual artists releasing it. But I just think that generative art as a, as a medium is this is just going to explode over the next several years, decades even, because it's just the perfect uh, vessel or like this, you know, this point where art and coding and technology and culture all meet. And it it's a thing that wasn't really possible again before blockchain technology. And it was sort of still in the early days, I think, of real, what, what they call long form generative art, where, you, you know, you can create 500 or a thousand uh, iterations of something and sell them. And so, yeah, very bullish on generative art in the long term. And uh, I, I was actually sidetracked. <laughs> I was talking to someone a couple of days ago who is who has created a platform for kids to learn generative art. And so, um, you know, it's sort of like a learning course. You can, you know, I think it's ages five to seventeen or something. They go on, they click what their interests are, and then it really takes them to the basic steps. It's like copy and paste, like tells you the basic code, and it's like write this in, and it'll create like a, a square that's colored, and then you can add a ball to it, and you can move it, and it's like you know, really teaching the next generation of generative artists, and and like I think that's gonna be bigger that's and bigger awesome. as we go on. Is that on. like an online thing, or is that that's in Germany somewhere? It feels, no, feels no, like that's it, the kind of thing online. that Europe is gonna catch on to before the United States. It's like no, no, no. It's you know. an American thing. Um, <laughs> oh wow, yeah. good for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. This should definitely probably be start being like the school curriculums themselves. We need, you yeah, know, I think much heavier focus on generative art and on computer science and NFTs exactly. and crypto in general. And yeah, so, we'll get there in a hundred years once it's <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> past the time when we needed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, yeah, we're getting there. And, I guess to get back to it, generative art, very bullish. Artblocks, it's just already a massive, well-established brand in the generative art space. They have tons of artists that are, you know, many of them very well-respected. Probably all of them. I mean, I don't know them all specifically, but, um, and, and yeah, there's tons of people that have really fallen in love with the art and found personal connections with the art and the artists and the platform. And I know that the team, the creator, Snowfro, Eric, is... He has a really long-term vision, like he wants to build out art blocks and just essentially encourage this whole generative art movement for from not just a collector's or financial or investment point of view. Um, he's more focused on the art and, you know, making that explode. And I think that's really important. And, you know, again, they're, they're building for decades, not just the next month or, or year. So I'm bullish on the whole ecosystem. I want to give a special thanks to overpriced JPEG partner, BlockBlock. Not only because they are a sponsor of this show, but also because they are my employer. BlockBlock is an innovative blockchain lab. We work across NFTs and the metaverse. And our goal is really to push the industry forward with every new project we take on. We founded and currently run the Nibits DAO, which just partnered with Larva Labs to create more metaverse-friendly renderings of Nibits, which is awesome. We are also partnered with a Sundance award-winning filmmaker to build the first DAO that will own a 
feature length documentary film. We have a ton of cool projects down the pipeline and are really looking for cool people to partner with on this. So go to blockblock.io to subscribe to our newsletter and be kept up to date about what we have going on and also to check out open roles we have available. Would love to have you apply, come work with me, coming out blockblock.io. Onjuno is your new crypto-enabled financial services company. Onjuno lets you get your direct deposit paycheck paid to you in crypto. Set up your direct deposit with Onjuno and receive part of your paycheck in your preferred crypto asset, reducing the time that you're holding on to your inflating dollars. The best thing is Onjuno sends your crypto directly to your own wallet, whether it's your ledger, your MetaMask, or however you hold your crypto. Onjuno can also be a checking account for your crypto where you manage both your cash and your crypto from one simple account. It's free and opening up an account with Onjuno comes with a metal debit card that gives you 5% cash back at select businesses, including Uber, Starbucks, Walmart, Target, and other Web2 companies. Use code Bankless when you create your Onjuno account and our friends at Juno will airdrop you $50 in ETH when you set up your first crypto paycheck. Sign up at onjuno.com slash crypto to get started. That's O-N-J-U-N-O.com slash crypto. You taught me the term in your writing, via your writing, uh, I'm not going to pronounce it probably correctly, but Veblen hmm. or Veblen goods? Veblen, I, I think. Veblen, okay. And and this gets to I, I, the piece you're talking about with branding, which is the Art Block's name has really started to establish itself as a well-known brand in this space, which of course comes with power. And this, it, it, therefore, it's able to create this dynamic of a, of a Veblen good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why don't you explain to folks what that means and, and what that is? Sure. So traditionally with uh, markets, like we all know that supply and demand, if something is in low supply and in high demand, it, it's very valuable. And then if supply goes up, um, the, the existing supply and total supply generally goes down in value just because, you know, there's more of it to go around and the demand might not be matching it. With a Veblen good, it, again, I'm not an expert. I, I found out about it not too far before I wrote that piece, but um, effectively it's uh, it goes against that. And it, it suggests that as in some cases, as supply goes up, price can also go up because it's sort of the brand power. And, and like a good example of that is uh, say a Rolex watch, like there are, or, or whatever, you know, a Louis Vuitton bag or whatever luxury good that there might be there it's not like they're restricted in supply. Anyone can, whenever they want, go out, go to a shop and buy one. You know, they, they're pumping out thousands, tens of thousands. I don't know how many exactly, hundreds of thousands, maybe a year. Um, but because they are considered a luxury brand already, um, it's sort of as a new person buys in and, and gets one, they, they feel like they have this luxury good. They have whatever social status that they may be looking for by getting it. Um, and then now all of a sudden this person is an advocate for the brand. They're part of the network. They, they themselves will probably be talking it up and saying, Hey, you know, Rolexes, I have one. They're really cool. Hey. And, and you know, other people will see that. And it's sort of, yeah, it goes against the traditional supply and demand. But I, I think that in a way, Artblocks may, or at least Artblocks curated, maybe all of Artblocks blocks will be that way where you know, in the future, um, the case, I mean, it even is still now, but like if someone owns a piece of art blocks curated, it's sort of like considered a luxury item. Obviously it's thousands and thousands of dollars in multiple ETH to own one. Uh, and they, they keep releasing more, but it's not really hurting the value. I don't think mm -hmm. of art blocks curated It's just, you know, more of the same luxury good being released. And I think you made this point sort of as a, uh, a response to people who were like, oh, because there continue to be new art block exhibitions and new artists, 
is there going to be an oversupply problem with art blocks that's going to hurt them in the long run? And I think we in the NFT community maybe are, are so wired for like, there's only 10,000, right? There was this 10,000 drop. The idea that something is going to continue to be produced over many years, mm -hmm. like freaks us out. And I think that's the, I think that's the wrong perspective. First of all, 10,000 is so tiny. Like there are going to yeah. be so many more people that flood into this space. So like supply, I don't think is, is, is at all an issue mm -hmm. right now we need to be worried about. Um, but I think that point of like, if you're, if you establish a strong enough brand and establish yourself as a luxury good, uh, you are less subject to the, to those kinds of whims, to the supply and demand whims. Yeah, Very I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So I want to make sure we talk about your project. I think it's really exciting. You have announced you are launching your first NFT project. You, you mentioned this earlier, said you're you're excited to kind of get out of the flipping game and start building something. Talk to me about the project. Sure. So it is uh, effectively the NFT or the token is going to be a, a membership token. So you'll get access to largely my my discord server and so i ha i created this discord server two three months ago now and it was free and anyone could join and i sort of always intended it for, for it to be free like i even had in the back of my mind yes i may launch an nft in the future maybe you'll get access to a couple of private channels within the discord but the whole discord will be free and over the last maybe two three weeks ago i sort of changed my mind and decided to make the entire discord sort of gated and you need the NFT to get in. Although anyone who was in at the time, which was like 11,000 people, I said, you know, you're here, you supported me early, you have lifetime access basically. So I didn't want to, you know, make anyone who had found it have to pay. But the, the biggest reason for wanting to make the whole Discord gated as it is, is that um, like the NFT space is so Wild West, Ian, <laughs> to create a term, um, it, it's full of scammers and, and bad actors. And like, especially on Discord, people are joining servers and like DMing people with malicious links and posting links in the Discord. And we, ha we had a case a few weeks ago where three accounts joined three or four and then one one of them posted a link to a project saying hey this is minting now it's really cool and the other ones were jumping in and saying hey i, I minted some hey that looks really cool and so you know one of our members thought this was just genuine conversation they went to the site minted and lost a little bit of eth on this scam project and you know obviously i hate to see that and by gating it and having this sort of higher barrier to entry which is not that i mean it the the base token is going to cost 0.033 ETH. So it's like, it's reasonable, I think, for lifetime access to a Discord. Um, yeah, so I think that will eliminate a ton of scammers and, and that kind of thing. And the other thing is it will just sort of um, make the whole Discord more cohesive rather than having two different sections gated and stuff like that. For the majority, everyone will get in. And so, yeah, this is a membership token. Um, 99% of people. So I have two different price tiers, but this is the one that I think 99% of people will be interested in 0.033 ETH. And the drop mechanic will be that um, it'll be an open edition. So there's no restriction on the amount that I'm going to sell, but it'll be open for two weeks. So, you know, anyone can mm -hmm. wait for gas to be low. If they want in, they can wait, take their time, mint. Um, if they want to mint multiple, maybe they can give it to friends in the future, or if they think it'll go up in value in the future, they can do that. But um, yes, yeah, so this avoids any sort of gas war, any sort of whitelisting necessary. Um, and it's not like I'm selling a, a rare commodity. It's not like uh, every NFT is going to be exactly the same. So it's just going to be a, a digital letter written by me with some text. The fungible, non-fungible token. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ERC 1155 for the, the technical ones out there. Yeah, there is basically go. what it's going to be. 
And so yeah, everyone will be effectively the same, but it's just like a membership card to to, to the Discord. And I I want to get into the second tier as well, but mm-hmm. before. So what's going on in your Discord? Like sell your like you know what what's what's the haps happening in the in the Zeneca Discord? Uh, is there yes. awesome people? Good insight. What are we getting there? It's all of that. It's just a really good community. It's tons of people that are I mean friendly and and willing to help and share information and learn about the space. Um, I we have, we have like an alpha channel which a lot of Discords have now where people post about mints going on in real time and and try and share information. But I'm trying to make the focus not so much on like what's happening right now in short-term alpha, but just sort of create this greater environment of, of education and sharing knowledge and researching longer-term projects. And so I post like occasionally, uh, like I'll do re- deep research into a project and post like a breakdown. Hey, I think this is good. This is coming up. Or this project you know, that had launched a while back is, is maybe a little under the radar. It's worth looking into. Obviously, I, I don't recommend anyone buy anything. I don't give financial advice. I just do some research and share some of it. And I mean, that's part of it, but a lot of it is just like, it's just another community to hang out and be around like-minded people who are there to learn and like are really here for the long run. Not, not like there's so many communities out there, which um, I mean, Hey, I mean, people like them as well, but they're all focused on the short-term flipping that talking about like, this is minting right now. Let's get in, let's get on the white, let's flip it. And then, you know, move on to the next project. Whereas mine is hopefully more of like a chill, calm environment. And then that is the community that vibe that I'm fostering. Um, and yeah, so I, with the size of the community and with money raised, I, I hope to bring value in other avenues, whether it's, you know, discounts to analytics tools or whatever it may be. Um, but again, like I hate roadmaps. I'm not plan- promising anything. I'm just saying, Hey, if you buy in, you get access to the discord and we'll try and do cool things together. Um, yeah. And that segues me to the, the second tier. I'll, I'll tee off the second tier by saying I loved something you wrote about it, which is you realize this is expensive and I'm not offering that much, <laughs> correct? Or some yeah. variation on that, which is a um, a wonderful uh, a wonderful way to uh, sell your own project. I actually think yeah. it is really effective, but it, it's hilarious. So I want to talk about why you wanted to emphasize that. And But let's start with with what is the second tier that you're you're launching? Yeah. So, I mean, the first tier, Unlimited, 0.033 available to most. The second tier is, is basically much more exclusive. It is 3.33 ETH and restricted to 333. You can tell I have a thing with the threes. It's everyone asks when I created my Twitter account, I was 33 years old. So I had 33 in my name and then I just ran with it. And uh, it. I think I'm still 33. Um, I forget my you, age anyway. You created your first Twitter account this year? Or within this this age? I created this Twitter account. I had one from this back Twitter. when I was an online poker player for a while. It had like 2,000 followers and it didn't really. Yeah, I, I didn't really use Twitter that much. Um, now you have like 100,000 followers, right? No big deal. It's, it's stupid, but yeah. <laughs> it's growing fast. Um, it is growing fast, which I think is a testament to the whole space growing so so much. It, it's a testament to you too, though. I, I think you, you give, I, you do long threads. So for anybody who doesn't follow Zeneca33, that's his handle. I really like you, you give thoughtful threads, which I enjoy on Twitter more than like snarky one-liners. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think you're providing real value for people that way. Yeah. Okay. So 3.33 ETH. Oh, sorry. 3.33 ETH and restricted to 333. And basically what I'm saying is that'll get you access to a more private discord. So within the private discord, there'll be one channel. That's just the 333 of us, or maybe a few channels. Um, and it'll basically be more access to me. I'll spend more time in there and I will, yeah, it's, it's just my time. And so I, I was sort of going back and forth on whether I wanted to include this or not. And, and what really sort of, I guess, pushed me over the edge was that 
a couple of weeks ago, I decided I wanted to start uh, advising and consulting for projects. And I created this Google form for people to fill out if they wanted to, you know, bring me on to the team. And I had 80 responses in 36 hours. And uh, on the form, I'm saying my fee is 6% of initial sale revenue, which for most projects is going to be like between 30 and 60 ETH, which is obviously a ludicrous amount of money. And, and this many people were still willing to pay it. And then after the 36 hours had ended, I got another like 50 messages from people saying, I missed it. You know, can we still work something out, et cetera? Um, so effectively, people are willing to pay for my time and, and find some value in it. And I mean, I want to help people. I, I want to work with projects. I want like when, when people message me, you know, if we go back a month ago or six weeks ago, I would answer everyone and try and you know, help them out and give feedback. But it's gotten to the point now where I just literally don't have the time to do that. I can't look at every project that people message me about. So this NFT is sort of one way that, you know, if you're launching a project, if you want a little bit more of my time, you want some opinion, then you can, you know, buy this, get access to the Discord, chat with me, and I will be much more able to, let alone willing to, um, you know, look at your your whatever you're launching. But um, I mean, that's one reason to get in or that people might want in. The other is just if they want this to be, it's like it, the community will be small and will be hopefully with like-minded people. I'm sort of curating the the community myself because I, I put out a Google form for anyone that wants to jump on the whitelist to to buy it. And like, I I wasn't sure if it would sell out or if there'd be that much interest. And then I got like a thousand responses in 24 hours. So yeah, just before this call, I was going through and you know, I, I had a field on the form saying, why do you want to be in, uh, in the community or what, why, why do you want to pay this much money basically? Yeah. And, um, yeah, What's I'm wrong with you? Pay, yeah, it, it is so much money. It really blows my mind. Like to think of how much money it's going to raise and I need to figure out what, um, what I'm going to do with it all. Cause I mean, th there's no denying it. If it sells out, which it's seeming like it will, it'll be like a thousand ETH just from this tier, you know, $4 million. And that's a ton of money. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I need to be thoughtful about it and, and think about it. And like, what, what I can say is I'm not like, I'm not going to just create a token and pump it back into the, like, it's not a project where I'm saying, Hey, I'm going to build this thing. I'm not going to, I don't have, I'm not an artist. I'm not a game developer. I'm not trying to create a DAO or anything like that. It's like the, in essence, people are paying me for the access and the time. And it's that kind of thing, but it does give me the ability to do cool and interesting things that, Again, I'm not putting it in any roadmap, but I, I don't know. I commission artists to create cool art and airdrop to people, create buy like metaverse land and have clubhouses. And I mean, it just collabs with whatever. It, there are a lot of possibilities and I just, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I, I um, it's something that I need to think about, of course. But yeah, so I get to go through this, this list of people that have applied to be whitelisted and I curate the list a bit and I hopefully put together a group of people that are, right there for the right reasons and then part of the value will be this network effect where you know you have these uh this group of people that are either they're new and learning and want to learn and have you know maybe they have expertise from outside the nft space that they can impart or you have someone that's launching a project and wants some insight and you know can help other people in the future who are going to anyway there, there's so many possibilities but yeah it, it's a bit of an experiment and that that's that's what it is and i'm excited for it because you know it, it does it will give me the financial freedom to not feel like I need to flip, not feel like I need to be buying and selling NFTs. And I can focus on, again, helping others and, and spreading, um, I guess, information and education and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the reality is not to show for your project for you, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, 
$13,000, right? Whatever this sort of lands at, who knows if, mm-hmm. if it is 10K by the time this launches yeah. and <laughs> a little bit more, wow. but yeah. is, is, um, is not unreasonable at all for like lifelong consulting services, you know, like consultants yeah, charge a lot of money and yeah. there's no, as long as you hold this token, you have that access. Right. So yeah. I think, I mean, heck, $12,000 is not a lot for a month of consulting services. Um, mm. So, you know, if if you're somebody who's looking for a really strong consultant, I mean, I could see this being a huge win for like, not that you necessarily want to pick these folks, but like for institutions, right? Like who mm-hmm. are trying to get into this space. And and that's um, that's practically cheap if, <laughs> if you're them, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're targeting sort yeah, yeah, of individuals yeah. that you want to you bring in. But yeah. um, I think that that 3.33 can be initially like, oh my gosh, whoa, because we're so used to drops where it is more like 0.05 or 0.033 yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever. But when you when you frame it for what you are offering, as much as you joke that it's not much, it, it really is something. And then the other piece that I'm interested in is this network effects uh, part. So I get a lot of questions and I'm sure you get even more questions than I do about, hey, I'm an artist. I want to get started in this space. I see the opportunity, but I don't really know how to to take a breakthrough. And it strikes me that one of the biggest advantages an artist can have is other network connections within the NFT artist space. Um, I'm curious if you would agree with that and, and, you know, you feel like maybe it's worth spending a bunch of time getting to know other artists in the space who can kind of be your network effects when you launch. Um, and B, how much you're thinking about that with this community that you're building. Yeah, I 100% agree that it's incredibly important, the network effects. I think just for anyone in this space, like whatever your goal is, if you want to succeed in the NFT space, networking is probably the number one thing to do. And, you know, networking sort of has this businessy-ish vibe where it's like you go to these events and suits and conferences and you chat to people and network. But in the NFT space, it's it's a lot more fun. It's like you just chat with people on Twitter, you join in discords and you vibe and, you know, you have fun and you talk about cool JPEGs and, and whatever yeah. crazy <laughs> madness is going on in the space, like someone refusing $9 million for their punk or, you know, whatever. Coinbase is launching their the marketplace and there's just you can talk about tons of stuff and you just make friends and like everyone is so friendly, you network. And then, you know, if you are launching your project, if you are an artist and you have friends and communities, then that's, these are the people that will be there to support you. And yeah, I really don't think any, I can understate how important the network effect is and just how important it is to network. Um, obviously you can be successful and you can find success by just being like a passive person in the space, just lurking. If you don't want to talk to people, you, you can use, you know, research and, and be on, on the outskirts and still find success by investing in stuff. But it's definitely harder. And especially if you're an artist trying to mm-hmm. sell your work, trying to spread the word, then again, networking is, is key. I think there's a, a way people could think about this as a marketing expense for their project yeah. of, Hey, I'm going to be in this intimate group of 333 people who, this person I've trust had sort of handpicked so that I think are going to be good people to have meaningful relationships with who are maybe meaningful people to talk about my project out publicly if my project is good, right? I know mm-hmm. you've been clear. I'm not just going to market your your thing because you buy yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, $12,000 is not a crazy marketing expense for a brand um, yeah. and a, a way to build build a, a, a meaningful network. Um, yeah, I, I do. Th- yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that I think it will be worth it or that the value is there. But, um, and, and I really, 
don't think anyone should be buying it if it's a significant amount of their, their net worth or right. like if if they only have 10 ETH, if they not only, but it's a lot of money, but if that's what they have, then spending three ETH or 3.3 ETH on this may not make sense. Like it may be a longer term thing and, and the value that they may get from the group will you know, be smaller, non-tangible. I mean, certainly non-tangible. Um, but yeah, if you're a, a project launching, you, if you have, you know, you're an individual with hundreds, thousands of ETH at your disposal, then it makes, I think, some sense. Mm-hmm. So what is the biggest piece of advice uh, you would give to a new artist wanting to launch a project? I'm sure this is the question you get all the time. Do you have like one piece of advice either to an artist or to to an investor? One of the two or both? Yeah, uh, I mean, the advice is probably the same. And w- one part is what we just said, network and just, you know, make these connections. But the the biggest piece of advice I think I give everyone is just be patient and realize that it takes time to find success in this space. Usually, yes, people do get overnight success and there are these edge cases, but they are edge cases and outliers and the exceptions. Um, and for everyone that has overnight success, there's dozens, hundreds that do not, um, thousands maybe, and um, realize that it's very exciting, the NFT space. There, There is a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of other success to be found, but uh, it's not going anywhere. The tech and the, the space is going to be here for forever for, for a very, very long time. And we're very, very, very early just because it's exciting and fun and, and looks great. You don't need to jump in and buy an NFT today or tomorrow. You don't have to launch your NFT if you're an artist today or tomorrow. Take some time, build up a community, um, you know, have a network, talk to friends or just, you know, soak in information and, and research. And so that when you do go to say invest or buy into a project, you know why you're doing it. So you have the conviction in the long term so that you can hold and, you know, survive these bear markets, which I think is important and not necessarily panic and freak out and text your friends in the morning about it. Um, that that's one thing. Or if you want to play the aggressive flipping high risk game, understand that you are doing that. And again, that you may be losing a ton of money. You could, you could go to zero um, and only, you know, risk money that you afford to lose. But the, the issue comes in when people are impatient and then they just jump headfirst in, not really sure what they're doing. You know, they just want to get involved right away, which I can understand because it is cool and exciting and fun. And, you know, it, it's, it's all happening, but yeah, people feel like they're going to miss out that they're, they're late FOMO. already and they want to jump in. Yeah, there's so much FOMO, but um, you're not late. You're early. Even if you listen to this in two years, you're probably still early. Like we have, we have a long journey ahead of us, like decades. Um, think internet in 1995. It's not like you were late if you got into the internet game in 2002. No, you're not. So I think we have plenty of time ahead of us. Just think about learning and invest in yourself, like educate yourself and mm. yeah. Yeah, you threw, you embedded within that uh, the one I was going to say, which was don't don't play with more than you can afford to lose, mm-hmm. which which you were getting at with the, if you have 10 ETH, don't spend three of it on yeah. on, on this project. Um, it's, I, I don't know if it was you or somebody else I saw on Twitter who was like, if you have a stomach ache after you bought something, like you spent too much. Was that you? No, it wasn't, but it just okay. sounds like something I would like. It sounds yeah. like something you would say, yeah. It, it does, was, yeah. It was like, hey, if you have a stomach ache, if you can't sleep at night, because you're stressed about the move you just made. I've said the, the sleep thing before, but yeah. Okay, so maybe I'm conflating nice. two different ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, did that you makes have, sense. Did you have any moments of that when you were early in this space where you overextended and it was like that learning moment of like, oh, yep, okay, that's, I, I went across the line for myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I definitely had a few moments like that where, yeah, I guess I did overextend because I, I couldn't really sleep or I, I was just too 
like I, I invested in a couple of projects and then I, I sold them for profit, but then they went up and like five or 10 X and I was like agonizing over it, which mm. I mean, that's, it's going to happen in this space. You just can't yeah. time the top or the bottom or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I learned from those and over time have, I guess, started to, uh, yeah, invest less or like less as a percentage of my overall yeah. uh, bankroll or portfolio and more towards projects. Again, it's that I have conviction in that all of those moments where I was had a, like a, a sinking feeling in my stomach or I couldn't sleep or whatever. It was always because I didn't have conviction in, in the projects I was investing in. And mm -hmm. yeah, I will say I, I've had a moment and I, I, I feel confident in saying I've learned from it. I'm somebody who, again, comes from a bit of a finance background. I know you should never play with money you can't afford to lose. But that means different things to different people. What you can afford to lose means different things to different people. And I I went a little too far, like totally swept up in FOMO. I was in a Discord. The whole Discord was like going, like, you know, it was sort of the, the, the price was rising. Everybody was like getting each other so hyped up. And so I, I went in a little harder than I should have, like right at the peak, right? Like <laughs> right as the thing starts coming back down. It's, it's since gone back. I, I actually did have long-term conviction in the project. So I was able to handle it, but like, I had the stomach ache. Like I, I went to bed. I woke up the next morning just feeling so embarrassed that I'd like fallen prey to the hype cycle on a Discord channel. So this is to say, like, it happens. It, you know, again, God willing, like, oh, I'm almost, yeah, okay, I'll say it. Cause I love it. I actually I love this project. It's creatures. So it was like, I love creatures. I'm such a long term, but I bought in the first time it went up. I bought in at like 1.5 and then like 1.85, which is it's it's over that now. And I think it'll go higher. Like I really believe, but like I bought a few, like at the time it was just like, like $10,000 or whatever it was. And I was like, that's more than I feel comfortable. And then it was like right before it went back down to like 0.7. And I was like, oh God. It was also a learning for me. It was like Kevin Rose had just made it his profile picture. I think Gary Vaynerchuk had just said something about it. So it was, it was a moment for me to learn like right after a bunch of celebs start talking about a project is when you're probably going to have a little like short-term peak. Mm -hmm. So like, just like, take a breath. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we saw the same when, uh, I think it was Shaq made a creature, his profile picture. Oh, and and they luckily I was already running. holding it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, so that's exactly. when I bought in, I bought into the, as mm -hmm. soon as that happened. Cause I was like, okay, this is, I already thought the project was cool and I was planning to buy in a day or two before, but then I saw this and I was like, all right, I, I'm, I should get in now. And yeah. yeah. And again, it, I, I think I only buy into projects that I, I have a long-term conviction in because I haven't learned how to flip yet. <laughs> yeah. I may never, um, but that was a case where it was like, you took it a little too far. You probably shouldn't have spent mm -hmm. that much. Um, awesome. All right, we're, we're running low on time here. The last thing I wanted to address, because I think it's really interesting, is um, you, you, so Richard, who's an influencer in this space, kind of famously recently did not sell his CryptoPunk for like mm -hmm. $9 million or $8 million yeah. or something, right? 9.5, I think. 9.5, okay. Yeah. And you retweeted his his tweet about it saying, I, I'll get it exactly, like when we say NFTs are different because institutions can't just come and buy them, this is what we mean. Some things are just not for sale. Mm -hmm. Can you uh, explain that a little bit more or maybe explain to people who are new to this space, like what, what that says about the culture and the sort of ethos in NFTs and, and why it's interesting? Yeah. So NFTs are, at least up until now, everything that's been sold, it, it's sort of like the ownership is distributed amongst the community, amongst real people, people, especially in the case of CryptoPunks that were here, like OGs in the space early. And um, 
compare it to sort of most other, basically every other crypto investment like coins or even financial stocks and, and stuff like that. Um, if a big institution wants to get involved and into the space, they can just come along and they can just buy a ton of Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana or whatever. Um, and then they just have a significant portion of the market. And even at the beginning stages, they are often funded by, you know, VC investors, angel investors and seed rounds and private sales and publics. And then eventually, you know, the rest of us, the, 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 what's the word, uh, you know, lay people, <laughs> lay people. Yeah. 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 Regular casual investors or uh, there's a word retail, for it, retail anyway, investors, retail. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We are usually stuck having to buy in later on and then price may tank because the institutions, you know, decide, Hey, we're just going to sell off a ton today. And then, you know, it's, it's just like, that isn't really a case with NFTs, at least up at the moment. If, if, an institution comes in and they want to buy a ton, like they want to invest a billion dollars into CryptoPunks or apes or whatever. It's like, they just, they can't, they have to pay what we who hold the NFTs are willing to sell for. And in the case of Richard, he's just said, my punk is not for sale. So that means that it's not a case of, Hey, we're going to offer you a billion dollars, but it's just not for sale. And if enough of us say it is not for sale, then we get to keep the integrity of our community. We get to have it decentralized in our hands. Um, and for the ones that who that do decide to sell, they get to dictate the price. They can say, okay, it's not for sale unless you give me, you know, a hundred million dollars or whatever it might be. Um, and then it's, yeah. So if the institutions want to get in, A, make them pay. And B, if you don't want to sell, don't sell. Like my profile picture ape is just not for sale i've i've created an identity with it it's it's a brand now i have a, a podcast called two board apes i've you know it's just it's for better or worse it's now my avatar for for the metaverse for the nft space and it probably will be forever maybe maybe i'll find something i love more in the future but if someone comes along and offers me double floor price for it i'm not going to sell because if someone comes and offers me 9.5 million dollars i will think long and hard but, um, <laughs> okay yeah. you hear that who, who was it was it like visa or mastercard or whoever was trying no, to buy it, it? Was, um, cool. xyz oh, it, oh yeah okay of, yeah, course, yeah, yeah. of course yeah but um yeah all right well co-op xyz if, if you're listening yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah by and large it's like nfts are ours you can say it's not for sale or you can say it's not for sale unless you pay me this much and they just can't come in and invest however much they want to into buying it up in a way that they can in many other industries and, yeah. and get, get control of them. Yeah. I think that one of the big reasons I was drawn to this space is this underdog contrarian in me. And I think this, this dynamic is sort of a microcosm of what's happening sort of broadly right now, which is there's this increasing tension between like individuals and institutions and institutions are are crumbling in some ways. And I think you saw that play out with like the Melvin Capital, like Wall Street bets dynamic, where there was a whole bunch of us kind of being like, go Reddit, exactly. go Reddit. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think this is- um, David versus Goliath. Yeah, and th this is the this is an economic sort of extension of that, which is very cool. The, the, the last anecdote I'll share to this point is, um, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but recently my, uh, my company was sort of, uh, not I'm not a founder, but was approached by- this kind of institution who's trying to get into the space and who wanted whales to help them. Like they know whales are important. They wanted mm. them to like help, you know, push and market this NFT yeah, they yeah. were dropping. And it was like, 
that's not how this works. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't just come and like swing around a no. bunch of money and think that the whales have money, right? Like, like exactly. that's why they're whales. Yeah, yeah. Like they, what they value more than your money is their kind of independence and in, in many ways, I think reputational integrity around mm -hmm. that they've built up around this space. And so I, I think that's a really kind of beautiful thing. It was kind of fun to like tell this yeah. boardroom of like <laughs> corporate white yeah. guys, like your money's no good here. It's, it's yeah. not, you it can't, awesome. you can't buy the marketing in the same way in this space. You have to network your way to it. Um, mm -hmm. So awesome. Roy, Zeneca, I keep calling you both. This was so yeah. fun. I, I really, really appreciate you, you taking this time and really excited for your project to launch. I think it is not an overpriced JPEG. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for having and, me. It's uh, been a lot of fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, we will talk soon. Definitely.